0: Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey girl, welcome back to another episode. Today we are chatting emotional eating because, well, we've all dealt with this one way or the other. And if you're listening to this episode, chances are you either struggle with it or you've experienced it before or neither. You just love my quirky voice on this podcast, I hope. But guess what, ladies? It's completely okay to have either struggled or maybe you're currently dealing with it because it happens to the best of us, including myself. Yes, as a women's health dietitian, I too have experienced emotional eating. And like I said, it happens to the best of us. I will say there are levels of for sure to this, and some really do have a challenge or a serious struggle managing this including a lot of my clients even you know now as things are winding down and let's be real here food goes beyond just nourishing our bodies it's a source of comfort and something we often run to when we're going through it well most people and some resort to eating from being alone being stressed sad and even happy but when does emotional eating become a real problem How do you navigate emotional eating? A few days ago on the Flourish Heights Instagram account, we did a poll where nearly 200 people said yes that they struggle with emotional eating. So I took it a step further to ask, what are your biggest struggles when it comes to emotional eating? So I wanna share some of the responses with you because I think they're super relatable. Here's one I got, eating past fullness to the point of feeling sick. Not knowing when to stop, even though I want to. Or here's another one. I need to gain more control, And this one was my favorite because I know a lot of you guys can relate to this. I just don't know what to do, but eat when I'm feeling sad or stressed. Wow. Can you relate? I mean, I appreciate these ladies for just being so vulnerable and sharing because I think it's encouraging to others just to know that they're not alone. You're not alone. You can absolutely navigate this emotional eating journey. It's very, very possible. To give you all the gems and tips on managing emotional eating, is today's special guest, Dr. Carolyn Ross. Dr. Ross is a medical doctor specializing in food addiction and eating disorders. She's an author of three books and contributing author to the recently released book, Treating Black Women with Eating Disorders, A Clinician's Guide. As an expert in treating eating disorders and addiction, she helps people struggling with binge eating, compulsive overeating, food addiction, and emotional eating put an end to cravings, stop using food to deal with feelings, to make peace with food and with their bodies, and get off the diet treadmill once and for all. I love that so much. You're going to love today's episode, so please share it with your besties, your loved ones, Who you feel would appreciate it. Don't keep the gems to yourself, okay? All right, grab a glass of something, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hey, Dr. Ross, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've been reading a lot about you. So I'm so excited, you know, to jump into the conversation. First things first, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: I'm a medical doctor, so I'm a physician who specializes in treating eating disorders, addictions, and trauma
0: amazing. So let's just jump right in. Um during these times of uncertainty, uncertainty with the pandemic, a lot of people have been dealing with um you know stress, um just different emotions, um, whether that's boredom or you know feeling lonely, sad, anxious. And I see this a lot with my current clients in our nutrition counseling sessions and oftentimes these emotions can lead us to eat when we're not, you know, not hungry or um I've been seeing it kind of been being used, like food being used as a coping mechanism to manage emotion. So which is what we call emotional eating or stress eating? Can you tell us what exactly this is and why it happens? As in, why can stress or our emotions affect um, appetite?
1: Yeah, well, I think it, it's pretty common that almost everybody has experiences at some point in their lives where they've had a big emo- emotional upset and they turn to food and, you know, food is something that is has been easily available to all of us since childhood as a coping mechanism. And I think it, uh, emotional eating is not a big problem unless it's something that you're doing on a regular basis. And it's the only default coping mechanism that you have uh, is to use food. And then it can become an issue because obviously it'll have. It a lot of emotional distress and make you feel out of control around food. And it just doesn't help because it's not solving the true problem. It's only addressing the symptom.
0: So you're saying that it's it's completely normal, but it becomes not okay or not normal if it's something that you do each time you're dealing with stress
1: each time you're dealing with stress, or even sometimes people use uh, food to tamp down happy emotions, Mm. you know, like you have some big uh, promotion at work. And while you may be happy, you may also have a little bit of fear or, you know, trepidation around that emotion and that can lead to overeating. So a lot of people will tell you that they eat when they're happy, they eat when they're sad, they eat when they're afraid, they eat when they're ashamed, et cetera. So when food becomes the only coping mechanism or the main coping mechanism for any kind of emotion, whether it's considered positive or negative, then that can cause a lot of problems.
0: So tell us, I guess, share some examples of um, how you really know you are emotional eating. Like what are some examples?
1: I think the people that I work with who have experienced emotional eating and have it be a problem are people who say that you know they have started maybe to recognize that they're using food in this unhealthy way but they just can't stop and they do feel out of control around food they often experience a lot of cravings that just sort of come out of the blue you know, like you're at work during work and all of a sudden you have this thought, I need to have a kind bar. This is one of my patients who she (laughs) jokes about this because she keeps kind bars as a healthy snack for herself, but she Mm -hmm. realizes she doesn't need to eat a kind bar 10 times a day. right? And so when you find yourself, you know, just out of the blue feeling hungry, and you can, if you're able to check in with your body and recognize it's not physical hunger, it's really something going on emotional that's being turned into uh, hunger. So those are, those are a couple of the symptoms uh, that we see with, with uh, emotional eating. Also, I, I would say when you eat in response to emotions, you don't usually feel satisfied. Mm -hmm. Like if you have physical hunger and you have a snack or you have a meal, then you generally will feel satisfied. But with emotional hunger, you don't have that sense of satisfaction. So first of all, the hunger or the craving comes out of the blue, and then it's, you just don't ever feel satisfied with eating because you're you're not really physically hungry.
0: Yeah. And I think during these moments too, it can be hard for people to feel out what's like the physical hunger or what, what the emotional hunger is that, you know, um, they're experiencing. I always talk about just listening to your body. Like for example, you know, your hunger and fullness cues. And in some cases I have found that it just can be really hard for people to kind of navigate um, these feelings when you're, when you're dealing with your emotions. Would you agree?
1: Definitely agree. And I also want to add that mm-hmm. many people who struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, food addiction are really divorced from their bodies. Mm. So when we tell them, you know, stay in touch with your body, they have no idea how to do that. Ah. That's for most of their lives, they have viewed their body as this separate entity that they have to kind of whip into shape, mm-hmm. you know, or focusing on the number on the scale, they have to torture themselves with exercise or restricting or whatever in order to feel good about their body. So I think the first thing is really about getting in touch with the body. And that can be very uh, frightening for many patients who feel, who have, you know, divorced their bodies. They're, they're afraid to, you know, to be in touch with those body sensations. So I usually start with the emotions. Mm -hmm. So, one of the exercises we do in my program is to just talk about, like, what does your body feel like when you're angry? And again, that can be very difficult for people to identify. What does your body feel like when you're sad? Like, what sensations are you having in your body when you feel anxious or afraid? But over time, if they you know, are able to stick with it, over time, they do uh, start to identify these body sensations. And when you can identify the body sensations, then you can recognize the difference between like physical hunger and what emotions are doing in your body.
0: Those are really good points that you made. And so what is going on on a physiological standpoint? What is it, I mean, like what does it have to do with hormones? Like what is actually going on in the body during these times of um just the emotions?
1: Well, when, you, when you're experiencing a lot of uh, emotional distress, uh, it can cause the release of the stress hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline, and eventually cortisol. And while all of those are have a very powerful and important function in our lives, um, it's not something that we want to be experiencing on a regular basis, but many people are. As you said, during COVID and you know, all of the social unrest that we've mm-hmm. had, and people are losing their jobs or getting uh, losing their Im- unemployment benefits. There's a lot of day to day stress. And it's that chronic stress that really produ- causes the production of cortisol. And when cortisol is high, that's when we start having cravings. And, you know, cortisol is also associated with uh, developing more body, uh, belly fat, and so those are some of the physiological changes that we experience when we're under stress.
0: Wow, this is so interesting. I don't know, is that like the body's way of like, like in, I
1: don't know, surviving or compensating or what? Well, it's definitely the body's uh, survival mechanism because mm-hmm. basically when you're under stress, the body is preparing you to either fight or to flee or to freeze. So the freeze mm-hmm. response is the possum who pretends like they're asleep or dead to avoid the predator. And then the fight response is what the lion or the tiger does.
0: Yeah. And the
1: flea response is what the antelope or the deer does. They just run when there's a threat. So all of those responses live in our primitive limbic brain. And therefore, when we're under stress, our bodies automatically, without us even thinking about it, prepare us to fight, flight, or freeze. And then when the stress continues, that the, um, it's cortisol will also cause wear and tear on the body over time. So chronic stress, you know, if it's not dealt with, can cause a lot of problems uh, long-term.
0: You know, I love that our bodies are just always, it's always looking out for us. I think exactly. that's that's a really great way to <laughs> kind of put that together. Now you mentioned um, emotional hunger and and just true physical hunger, and you kind of walked us through a little bit um, about those, but can you break down like the difference between the two? I mean, physical hunger. I mean, you talked about, you know, how, you know, sometimes you're not really, you're kind of disconnected to your body, especially if you're going, you know, through all the things. And so it's not something that's there, but you know, the emotional um, hunger side of things, sometimes it could be, you know, binging, sometimes it's the guilt or, or the shame that comes with the eating. And um, so kind of break down the two for us. So um, we can have just a better well, understanding
1: Yeah, I think, as you said, physical hunger actually has physical signs and symptoms. So when we're physically hungry, we can have rumbling in our stomachs or a feeling of emptiness in our stomach. Uh, That physical hunger can, if it goes on too long, can make you feel lightheaded or sometimes you get hangry from physical hunger. (laughs) Yeah, hangry. So when we think about it, it has very, very specific physical Uh, signs and symptoms. Whereas emotional hunger, again, comes out of the blue, we often don't. And, you know, we like, why am I hungry now? I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be hungry. I just ate, you know, I just had a large meal. And sometimes people look at the clock, and they think it's lunchtime, and it's only been an hour since their last meal. Now, sometimes that can be a sign that you, you know, didn't eat enough, or you ate foods that were Um, you know, cause a dip in the blood sugar. But most of the time, that's a sign of emotional hunger. And again, when you feel uh, when you eat in response to emotional hunger, you don't generally feel satisfied. Mm. So it's those out of the blue cravings and the lack of satisfaction, I think that are pretty big uh, clues to emotional hunger. And if you can connect it to any event, that's happening at the time, like maybe you're stressed at work, or you had a fight with your boyfriend, or, you know, fill in the blank, if you're able to identify that, you know, there was an event that was upsetting or stressful, then that can also help you recognize that you're experiencing emotional hunger.
0: It sounds like this ongoing cycle. And that can be really frustrating when you're just like, it's just, you know, one after the other, one after the other, Uh, the the guilt that you feel, you know, it's, and it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot. It's very hard to navigate.
1: Yeah. I call that the vicious cycle because what happens is something happens, like you have a fight with your boyfriend and then you, you binge, uh, you well, first you have an emotion, but you may not notice it. And you also Mm -hmm. have a body sensation, but you may be ignoring it. And then you have a binge. And after the binge, then you feel horrible because you binged. Oh and goodness. there's usually the thought of, well, I've already been, so I might as well just keep going. Keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm already <laughs> oh my off my
1: diet program. I might as well just keep going. And that you just, like you said, cycle around and around and around.
0: Now, how does someone break free from that cycle?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first step is awareness. So we want to really aware of what is causing the cycle and there's a, a process that I use where we analyze a binge without judgment like if you can think of your last emotional eating episode and you can ask yourself what triggered it like what mm-hmm. happened that day or the day before uh, that may have caused you to be upset and then what did you feel what were your emotions how did those emotions show up in your body and then what was the behavior you had, whether it be isolating, binging, you know, any any behavior. Sometimes people also drink a lot or will use other behaviors like gambling, etc. Yeah. And then what were the emotions that you felt after that? And when you start to identify that pattern, usually the pattern is the same. And so if you can identify the pattern, it will enable you to recognize when you're beginning into the pattern and if you can recognize when you are having an emotion or a body sensation that's going to lead to a, a, a emotional eating then you want to find another way so we call that using our uh, different skill set you know using food is a survival skill set right mm-hmm, right but, we don't need to eat that much food to survive in the modern world and so what are some other skills that you can use and those can be things like you know if you're in a place like if you're at work and this happens you can distract yourself go for a walk even if it's just a walk around the block Uh, deep breathing exercises can help Uh, listening to soothing music anything like that can distract you from the feeling and usually, the feeling will pass in about 90 seconds. Mm. So all you have to do is make it through 90 seconds. And when people have cravings, it often feels like, oh, my goodness, I'll never be able to, you know, deal with this, because it feels overwhelming. But if you remind yourself that if you can just do something else for 90 seconds, many times the cravings will already have passed. Wow. I'm
0: learning so much today from you. And I want to go back to like the first step, the like how to become more aware that this is actually like happening. And so are there any tools that could be helpful? Like, would you recommend um, like keeping a food journal? Like what, what are some other things? I do
1: recommend journaling. And if keeping a food journal is not a big trigger for for you, as it is Mm -hmm. for many people, uh, what you can do is uh, keep a food journal that uh, list the emotions you're feeling mm-hmm. before each time you eat. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you'd have like what I ate and then emotions, you know, next to that. And that can really be helpful because it can help you become more aware of the emotions. But just a regular journey, journaling is also another way to become more aware. And in, in that kind of journaling, you're just at the end of the day, this is what happened today. I did this and then that happened. And then, you know, then I had an emotional eating episode. And, I... and you have to do it though without judgment. So just look at it like you're a fly on the wall and you're just <laughs> noticing somebody who's going through this part of their day and this happens and that, but without judgment. Because judgment is what keeps us in the vicious cycle, going around and around, doing the same thing over and over.
0: Yeah. And, um, I love, I love all those tips and also what you had mentioned, like just finding other ways to cope, um, with, you know, your emotions besides, uh, just food all the time. And so, um, I love like the journaling, the going for a walk. I also found that, um, just for my clients, what has have worked for them is just moving, you know, moving your body, um, just regularly. And so if you are into, you know, um, yoga or, um, you know, cycling or whatever the case is, I found that it's it's been really helpful. And so just taking yes. that time to, to really determine um, what's going to work for you is just so good. Can emotional eating lead to binging? What are some uh, tips to combat
1: this? Emotional eating and binging? Mm-hmm. When you feel emotional? I think it's pretty much the same thing. You know, all of these, you know, behaviors have their roots in the same place. And the roots often go back to childhood. And that's why stopping bingeing and stopping emotional eating or stopping food addiction is so hard because most of the time people have lived with these coping mechanisms since they were sometimes really young, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: And many times they have their roots in trauma, neglect or abuse. And so, you know, we can keep giving people tips but if they don't identify the root causes, you're basically just putting you know, a Band-Aid over the wound and we really need to heal the wound. And the wound can be something small. I mean, I've, a lot of people don't think they have had quote unquote trauma, but for example, many, many people, especially in, in generations below me, have, have experienced bullying and sometimes pretty severe bullying Mm -hmm. in in school or in their neighborhoods. Uh, Sometimes the uh, breakup of a marriage where one of the parents no longer stays in touch with the child. You know, I have a male patient who was um, parents divorced and the father just moved to another city and um, started a new family. Mm -hmm. And so he he had been very, very involved in his son's lives. And then all of a sudden it was just, boom, he was gone. And that was, he didn't think of that as a trauma, but it was very traumatic. He felt abandoned. He felt like something was wrong with him. Like, why would my father not be contacting me, not coming to my games? Must've been something I've done. And that, that can follow you into your adult life and cause a lot of problems. Wow.
0: It's, it it sounds like there's so many layers to this very complex. It's case by
1: case. Well, absolutely. There's so many layers and that's why, you know, going on a diet isn't going to fix the problem, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but you can definitely make a start by the things that we've been talking about and working with a professional like yourself to, you know, work on, identifying physical hunger, you know, that is a a whole experience in and of itself that needs to happen. And then if people do have a history of any kind of trauma, abuse or neglect, you know, helping uh, or encouraging them to find help is really important as well.
0: Now, this is a random question. And I don't know if it's, um, maybe you kind of dug into this a little bit, but, um, when you mentioned bandaid, um, earlier, you know, it's like, you're not taking the time to really find like the root cause, but you're kind of band-aiding it. Um, would you, when it comes to distractions or just like your environment, do you feel like um, getting rid of distractions is a band-aid in, in some cases? That's a,
1: that's a really great question, Valerie. It, it can be, if that's the only thing you're doing, then it can be another way of putting a band-aid on something. But as part of a complete program or part of a complete approach, Uh, It's a way to buy time while you're working on identifying the root cause and healing the wound. You want to buy time because if you're so involved in emotional eating or binge eating uh, on, on a regular basis and it's constantly causing you emotional distress, it's pretty hard to do the deeper work. So we want to help people get a little bit of distance from you know, the distress of their behaviors so that they can work on the deeper issues.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, you know, when it comes to, um, self-talk, right. I think a lot of the times, especially women, um, it's just this negative self-talk that often gets associated with, um, emotional eating or, you know, the, the guilt and the shame. And so, and we know it's important to work on, um, the, the self-talk after you kind of experience um, this emotional type of eating behavior. Now, what are some ways to practice positive self-talk? Because it's not as easy as um, people make it seem.
1: Very, very true. It is not an easy thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think especially women are so used to wanting to be perfect or feeling the need to be perfect and they get stuck in this black, white thinking of I'm either perfect or I'm a mess, you know, and I've had people say to me, well, I'm just a mess, you know, and I want to reframe that, like maybe your life is a mess or maybe you're Mm -hmm. struggling right now. But um, yeah, the the negative self-talk can be a real trigger for emotional eating. And so again, you have to become aware if you're doing that, if you're constantly putting yourself down if you're always like unable to take a compliment without saying oh but you know you don't know about something else i've done or you don't know about you know if you're always in that negative frame of mind becoming aware of it Mm -hmm. and then starting by you can use a couple of techniques one is uh using affirmations like you know one of my patients said that every time she pass a mirror, she would say, Oh, gosh, my stomach looks horrible. You know, I, my stomach. And so then she just started by using an affirmation of, uh, I'm working on improving my lifestyle or something like that, or Mm -hmm. something neutral about her stomach. Uh, you know, you can also, if people are ready, use a positive statement, like my stomach is, Poochie, because I've had three wonderful kids. Mm-hmm. You know, but or talk about the function of your stomach. You know, my stomach helps me digest the foods that I eat for Love my
0: that.
1: health and well-being. So that's one way you can do it is to use these affirmations. Another way is to cheerlead yourself. And cheerleading is just kind of what cheerleaders do, but you're doing it for yourself. So when you have these negative um when you have this negative self-talk, you can say things like, um, well, I know, I, I know I'm feeling bad about myself, but I'm really working hard to improve my life, you know, or, you know, I, you can do it, you know, you can mm-hmm. do it, Valerie, you go, yeah. um, you know, get on with it, girl, whatever you want. To <laughs> I <say>. love that. <laughs> you probably have some better ones that you can take off <laughs> the cuff right now, but just giving yourself kind of that boost of confidence in the moment, you know, just uh, encouraging yourself. And we don't do that enough, you know, like when I'm exercising, and, you know, I feel like, oh, geez, I don't feel like exercising today, or, you know, it's too hot outside, I don't really want to exercise but I already had a commitment to do it and I have time on my calendar and, you know, and I want to do it because it makes me feel better. Then I'll say something like, uh, well, I may pick up a really great TV show to watch while I'm exercising, put on the fan, you know, or I may put on some you know, music that makes me want to dance, which has gotten me into trouble, by the way, because it's pretty hard to dance on a treadmill without going yourself. <laughs> so it, it would really I be agree. hand dancing, you know, not trying to move your, your booty. So <laughs>
0: I wish you guys can see Dr. Ross right now dancing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I use those things to uplift myself. And it's not just a one-time
0: thing. It's like that repetition really matters it does
1: it really matters and i think it's the most underrated tip that anyone mm. can listening can use which is just to continue doing it over and over it's about practice practice truly does make perfect and the practice is you know not just doing it once and then saying oh well, that didn't work for me i'm not gonna you know, I'm not going to try that anymore. You have to practice it again and again. Even something simple as, you know, using breath work. I teach my patients okay. what I call the four square breath technique. You breathe into the count of four, then you hold your in breath for four. You breathe out to the count of four and you hold the out breath for four. And then you that makes a square, as you can, if you can imagine it. So, but even doing the, um, the breathing exercise, it, you know, I think it's taken me probably years to really appreciate how quickly that calms your nervous system Wow! to just breathe, mm-hmm. you know, and be mindful about your breathing. And that's what we're really looking for. We're looking to reset the nervous system with, which is because of stress has been put on red alert. And so we want to take it down from red alert to a place where we're calm, where the cravings really don't exist.
0: Oh, man, this was so, so helpful. Such great, realistic, applicable tips just on how to navigate life with emotional eating. So ladies, to our listening, you are not alone. Um, this is, you know, can be tough, but you can 100% break free. And I think, um, you know, Dr. Ross, you've said it all very, very well. And I think that, you know, also practicing the self-compassion is is just so important, um, while navigating this. And so know that you're not alone. We, as we're all going through difficult times, and if you need further help, Do not hesitate to reach out to um, a professional to uh, help support you. Um, And so, Dr. Ross, we ask this to all our guests who come on this show, and that is how do you flourish?
1: How do I flourish? Ah, that's a good one. I like that. You know what? How I flourish is taking better care of myself. I wasn't that great at doing that when I was younger. I was more focused on my career and my kids and mm. but I think it in the in the last little bit of my life I feel I've become much better at accepting the you know the gifts that I give myself, taking care of myself, reaching out for help if I need it. So self-care is how I flourish.
0: I love that. And it was such an honor and a pleasure to interview you today on our podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Ross. And we will link Dr. Ross's um, information in the show notes so that you can keep up with her and all the amazing things that she is doing. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Ross, and hope to connect soon.
1: Okay, (laughs) bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode on how to stop the cycle of emotional eating, please leave some stars and a kind review. Share with a friend I would really appreciate that. All right, that was a good one. I learned so much and I hope you did too. Thank you once again for listening and until next time, ladies, keep flourishing.